0: Hey y'all, the Fallen Podcast is an Augusta University and Georgia Cyber Center production. Thanks for tuning in. Things are about to get wild.
1: At Augusta University, we want you to unlock your fullest potential, and that includes you being the healthiest version of yourself. JAGS Live Well is an initiative created to promote a lifestyle of holistic wellness. And holistic wellness, especially students' mental and emotional well being, is very important right now, given the impact of the COVID 19 pandemic. As part of the University System of Georgia's Mental Health Initiative, we've expanded our offerings. In addition to the incredible resources already offered at Augusta University, we've introduced a comprehensive Comprehensive wellness hub, an after hours 24 7 support line, and an after hours psychiatry prescribing opportunities. For more information on these resources, go to augusta.edu/ Jags Live
2: Augusta University presents In the Wild, the podcast for all things Augusta University. With this week's quick jag, here's your host, Rayshawn Ricks.
0: What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of In the Wild. I am your host, Rayshawn, and joining me live in the studio is our one-of-a-kind, incomparable intern and co-host, It's courtney parker what's up
1: what is going on and this is my new favorite one now incomparable oh yes that is perfect (laughs) you you are one of a kind thank you thank you how are you today rayshawn i am good
0: but i'm very curious and i have a question to ask of you
1: i have an answer
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're you're already giving me this nervous face so if you could be instagram famous or tiktok famous which one would you choose
1: That's a very hard question. Can I counteract with a question on... There are no clarifying questions. Like how famous? (laughs) Like, are we verified Check famous?
0: The question is open to your own interpretation.
1: Okay. Well, based off the famous people that I've seen on Instagram and TikTok... I personally would choose Instagram. Well, all in all, I would not choose to be social media famous at all or even media famous. Like, I don't know. I'd be anxious. (laughs) But I would say Instagram just for the pure fact that I feel like TikTok is a little bit more personal with people's lives people share what they do from the second they get up to the second they go to bed on tiktok what they eat how they dress where they shop and given all that information out would not make me super comfortable mm. and if i did have to be famous and just post pictures and look cute and maybe geotag location and do a paid sponsorship here and there mm-hmm. that would seem a lot more comfortable to me my privacy just because of the privacy concerns but yeah I, and i feel like it's a lot more space to have less drama when you aren't talking in all of your videos (laughs) so and or or your content itself you're not constantly saying things so the the drama free version of me the privacy version of me would choose instagram that makes sense
0: i think i see like pros and cons of both to be honest but I think right now, as of today, at this time, I think I may say TikTok famous. I say that because for so many people, well, not so many, but for those that have done it right, they have created content and it's just spreads into their real life. Because I've seen people who started creating content, started going viral and just being consistent with getting those views, getting that engagement. They've turned their content creation into full time careers. Mm hmm. And I feel that with Instagram, that's not necessarily the case when it comes to how quickly, compared to TikTok, there's yeah, that turnaround. The
1: turnaround is much quicker. You can go viral about 30 minutes after you post something. Whereas in Instagram, it would need traffic. You would probably need a couple reposts from some blogs. Mm-hmm. And, and like just seeing how people have built
0: their audiences on TikTok and been able to monetize off of it so quickly. And not just from TikTok paying them, but from other opportunities. Like To me, if I had the choice, like I would probably really be interested in being a tiktok creator and seeing where where that leads
1: yeah i, I think but no, I I sh- but
0: yeah I, I share that same concern with you though about boundaries and the respect of my own privacy because I mean, I feel like if anyone wanted to, like they could become a content creator really easily and they can curate a life for themselves really easily online,
1: but but at what cost? Like- Exactly. I'm a really private person. So just be, the word, I would never want to be famous. That just scares me a thousand percent. But if that's the, I feel like route of career you want to go to, TikTok is 100% the place to be a content creator, to post content, to make content, and for that content to be shared. I don't know. It would be a lot for me, though. I feel like I'd be a complete... If I was TikTok famous, I would not be... The person you see on TikTok would not be the real me. It yeah. would be a person that I... A the curated version. I created specifically for an audience. It would be like a business plan almost.
0: No, legit. And I think a few years ago, I was really interested in content creation and kind of just going almost down the rabbit hole. But then I realized, like, I don't want to be that person to just have like a curated life versus a real life. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd much rather share my real life. Than curating content just so people can engage with it. Because I like making people happy, especially online. Like, I'm probably the best internet friend you could ever have. Like, if we're connected online, I'm the person that's always going to like your content, comment on it. I'm always rooting for you, cheering you on. I'm always in your DMs saying Mm -hmm. something, trying to be positive or silly. That's not in real life, though, because I can't (laughs) keep up. Can't keep up in person. But yeah, like, when it comes to actually creating content, I, 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 I would get burnt out really quick trying to keep it. Real.
1: Keeping it real would be hard. I would just be so scared because when you, when you keep it real, you gotta. The thing with keeping it real is you have to keep it all the way real. Yeah. So the good things and the bad things. And Content creation is a new career, period. Yeah. Especially personal, like daily lifestyle content creation. And, you know, I don't want to tell everybody I got a traffic ticket. (laughs) I don't want to tell everybody I slipped on the way up the stairs and dropped my coffee, had a terrible day, and then I got jury duty. So, (laughs) and especially if you want a certain audience. So keeping it real can be kind of hard just being vulnerable and letting people see the parts of your life where you might not be doing that great Um, because people, Are judgy. People can be mean online sometimes. (laughs) Yes. And like people after a while so many
0: tiktok creators that are trying to be famous and that's like that's their goal is to just be famous from the internet they're just at the mercy of their fans mm-hmm. right they just try to do whatever video idea that comes along their way and it's not real it's just okay you're really desperate for likes you're really just trying to get the engagement you really just are running out of ideas and i can see that you're starting to steal from other creators and you don't even you know you know what i'm saying like yeah. you you know those people that you I do. you know that you'll you'll scroll past Um, and at some point I'll actually like unfollow those people because it's like okay Mm -hmm. maybe Maybe the pressure is too much. I'm going to just go
1: ahead and like let you calm down a little bit. And I would say just because as a career, a full-time career, I would never want the pressure to be too much. And it's yeah. it's really hard for me to depend on other people to make my money. Like I feel like mm. if I, the how I get my financials is based off the work that I do and how well I do it. Not based off of everyone else. So my content's not doing that well or I might have to hop on a train like i i just see it swaying constantly versus it being just more concrete yep and that's you know the anxiety coming again like i don't know what's gonna happen so i'm gonna check on my boxes but that i feel like with consecration, creation that's just so up in the air
0: yeah it's it's fun though but when it starts to it feel like work is when i have to step out <laughs> <laughs> have to give it a little bit break but it does kind of Uh, bring into this interesting point of our digital presence and how it plays into our real life and how we really interact with each other in person, especially now, because for the most part, we're back to in-person interactions that aren't as restricted during the pandemic
1: times. So I don't know. It just has you thinking. I know I feel like the pandemic accelerated the digital world itself. So maybe there were situations where um, like meeting up in person kind of started dying down. Malls started dying down and certain clubs started dying down and the pandemic took that and pushed it times five. So it's nearly impossible to kind of meet people organically the same way you would maybe in like 2003 where (laughs) (laughs) you just ran into somebody and started talking or anything like, or you just noticed you saw someone before and you were okay with having a conversation with with them just because you saw them before. Now that doesn't really happen. People have their headphones in or they're on their phone as they're out in public or maybe just approaching them might not be. Be successful yeah i'm one of those people that is almost always on their phone just like when i'm doing something
0: very passive so i have to be very intentional about like okay i am gonna put my phone away for this because it's easy to get caught up in what everyone else is doing on your phone versus what's happening in real life so if i'm not doing anything special i'm probably just like gonna be scrolling on my phone on on one of these apps but when i think about in person like you're you're really right because i don't look to necessarily make connections with people in real life Mm -hmm. like that like i'm i'm an introvert so usually when i'm not doing something like podcasting i'm trying to avoid social interaction like when i'm off the clock when i'm not working i'm trying to actively avoid people that i may recognize at the grocery store like (laughs) if i see you at kroger i'm going into the random aisle the closest aisle just to be like escaping (laughs) Like I'm gonna make a beeline away from court. Like
1: I just hit it. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> cause
0: I, cause I never know. Like. In theory, yeah, I would love to speak, but I'm not one of those people that just want to get caught up and keep talking because I don't always feel presentable. I might be going Mm -hmm. out. I may be like, I always go out looking presentable, but I'm not on up. I I always feel presentable, if that makes sense. I understand. Like I'm not in that that mood to carry a conversation. I'm just here to get my groceries and go back home as quick as I can.
1: Well, the introverts might appreciate the digital age, and then honestly. I do because it
0: (laughs) it allows me to be social- as i feel like my social battery is up for it Mm -hmm. because well i'm not one of those people that will be at the social interaction and just like ghost and do like an irish goodbye oh no i'm not i'm not one of those people i will i will say goodbye to you like i will try to hang out for as long as i can hang but yeah it just feels it just feels really uh good to me like i can just text you or i can just message you support you on social and not have to deal with you in person
1: So before things became, you know, mainly digital, how, how are you interacting socially like that? Especially like just with you and your parents. I know our parents, they had, they were a lot more communal than we were. They had actual, (laughs) and we talked about this earlier, book clubs and Mm -hmm. they, you know, this up to you, but they went to church or they just they had appointed times where they met and just talked. So how did that how was that for you before, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter?
0: So this may be hard for some to believe, but I was probably one of the last people like in my high school class to really download social media. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't have a cell phone, so I was just like, "There's no there's need for me to try to be on social media if I don't even have a phone to really keep up." You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I finally did get it, I got—I think I entering eleventh, my eleventh grade year, my junior year—I finally got on social media. Which at that point, everybody was already on there. I didn't really—I didn't really interact with them on social. Didn't really act, interact with people in person. I was very cut to myself. So yeah, this is kind of a new territory for me to kind of be very social and to really put myself out there because high school me you didn't hear from me you didn't see me i was wow yeah
1: i don't know i feel like we're polar opposites i talked to everybody in high school really (laughs) (laughs) i talked to people because i could and i felt like i don't know I only grew up with like one sibling and we have a really big age gap. And so, and he was a guy and I'm a girl. So we didn't have that many things in common besides the fact that we're, we had the same parents, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. But I was also in a lot of group things. So ballet, cheerleading, sports, just, I was very comfortable with people and talking to people. and I understood that there were so many different people. So if I saw someone and I've never talked to them before, I would talk to them just to see, just to see if I could another type of person like I was just I don't know I really celebrate diversity and different people so if I could meet 10 different people I'd be way happier than just chopping it up with one person all day I don't know it's new toy syndrome or something <laughs>
0: Yeah, I am i don't know. Just the introvert in me it was like, I love meeting people, but I just have to be comfortable. And I have to feel, in order for me to be social, there just needs to be value to it. Yeah. Because my social battery, especially after the pandemic, it's been broken. Like, I don't really feel the need to socialize and be around people in person. Like, mm-mm, if I don't have to get
1: dressed, if I have to drive... Mm, I don't know if I want to go. So it definitely has to be worth it, but I don't know. I do, I do like being digital. I celebrate both. I am actually happy we do have a couple. Just our digital enhancements, our technology. Have you? i uh, will say this. Have you been excited about anything that's happened recently in technology that you just didn't think would happen before?
0: I feel like I'm I'm one of those kids that always believed that at this point in 2022 we would be having flying cars, Flying cars, right? <laughs> like we just know that that was just going to be the revolutionary change when we became adults that we all be flying something. But then when you think about actual airplanes and helicopters, it's like mm, it's probably a good thing everybody don't have to have to fly. <laughs> we, we we need to stay on the ground.
1: Or maybe a piece of technology used today. I think.
0: I, Cause I'm Team Apple, and I'm
1: yes a, the right team,
0: it, <laughs> the only team. I'm an Apple fanboy, and I love iOS. So some of the newer features have. Really? like how with photos just being able to like it automatically crops the subject out if you want to send it has been just like really cool like like how do you know that (laughs) like how does does it do that and i think i i I guess growing up like we always seen artificial intelligence but to really have like siri and alexa and some of the other ones that are just really advanced it's really cool just to just kind of see like from home security to just like casual listening to music to also now like that you can have your ai help you open and close your curtains and like you know that's that's been really cool to like just play out in real time
1: yeah ai is definitely one of my favorites i'm 100 percent team apple i talk to siri all the time we are besties um, but I never thought that we would have like headphones without wires. That was just the biggest thing for me ever having ear pods and then being, I don't know. I feel like it's still revolutionary. <laughs> like it's incredible. Just boop, pop popping in the ear. You can talk, you can listen. I don't know. It's crazy. And it's just funny how technology has changed. We see movies like remember I robot with Will Smith yes. and the AI attacking yes. the world. So, and now we have Siri and Alexa. So I think it's real interesting. And speaking of your interests,
0: y'all stay tuned because when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the interesting things happening in ever advancing digital world. So stay tuned and we'll be right back.
1: E. Maxwell Performing Arts Theater is the cultural heart of the Augusta University Somerville campus and students take center stage. From the Department of Music Ensembles and Theater AU to the Department of Communication, all provide ample performance opportunities for students. Performances from opera and theater to symphony and dance all feel at home on the Maxwell stage. The theater is an intimate venue for the audience with each of its 740 seats remarkably close to the stage. Many performances at the Maxwell Theater are free to Augusta University students with a valid Augusta University ID. And all performances are reasonably priced for the general public. Discounts are often available for Augusta University faculty and staff, Augusta University alumni, members of the military, and children. Check out their new upcoming event at augusta.edu slash Theater.
0: Welcome back, y'all, to In the Wild, and joining us in the studio are two very cool students, and we are very excited to talk to them about some very cool things happening right here at the Georgia Cyber Center. So give a very warm Jaguar welcome to Kevin McElwain and Dominic Klein. How's it going, y'all?
3: It's going great, man. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Thanks so much for being here and just diving right in. For those who are unfamiliar, we're talking about our Security Operations Center here for the university. So what does the Security Operations Center do and how does it protect the AU enterprise?
2: So Security Operations Center, we monitor and defend the AU networks, um, devices, storage devices attached to the network, and we constantly monitor those for potential incidents and such. And we have a plethora of tools we use
3: to, to make that end yeah uh monitoring the traffic as well is a big part of our job you know it, it's it's the internet constantly has packets traveling through it and sometimes those are just benign scans that happen but every once in a while you get something that really really has malicious intent so you know monitoring the traffic and making sure that we are staying up to date with all the newest threats that are out there in the world that's a big part of our job as well sometimes it is you know looking into it and seeing like oh you know this thing came out two days ago are we seeing that have we seen it in in the past week because somebody may not have known about it when we were doing our last scan, things of that nature.
0: And that's to me, it's always been very interesting to see the back end of how that works. So mm-hmm. for those of us who aren't studying cybersecurity, how do you track and beyond the defense for when those malicious incidents happen or at least try to happen?
3: So what we do is we've separated it into two categories. You have solutions and operations. So your solutions, they're doing the preventative stuff. They're the ones doing most of the research into the newest vulnerabilities. And then you have the reaction side of operations. So if you're talking about the reaction side of operations, uh, you have the defensive networks that's set up by the solutions. So the operations people, they're the ones that are monitoring those events. What we do is we have tools at our disposal to kind of run these correlation searches, which we define using a Program called Splunk. So, what that allows us to do is all the traffic that comes in, if anything matches these correlation searches, it'll throw up an event to our analysts that they are then using to solve. We use any number of the tools that we have available to us to then kind of look into it. And again, sometimes these are things we hope are always false positives, but every once in a while, you'll see something that you really need to pay attention to, really need to look at. And those can vary from anything, just, you know, random malware, cross site scripting. I'm trying not to get too technical for our <laughs> listeners here, but they, they, they do have quite a number of vulnerabilities in the world. And just staying up to date with those, making sure we're actively defending the network from that posture, that's the important thing. Anything to add there? Just say with, with such a large network,
2: and so many p- mm. people connecting to it, it can be difficult to monitor everything. And one of the biggest things we see is, you know, not a, not everyone knows cybersecurity. They don't know how to, you know, browse the web securely. And just, I think getting that information out to people who aren't in the field is extremely important because not only does that help us monitor uh, more effectively, but it also reduces risk to the university or whatever organization you're working for. Mm. So clicking on those bad links, you know, trying to download whatever <laughs> off the internet, just informing people that they need to pay attention
0: So what does it look like on y'all's end when someone does click on the bad link or someone does give up their AU credentials to random person looking to do something malicious? Like what does that look like for y'all when you become aware?
3: So generally, it, it kind of depends on the contents. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming we're talking about something like a phishing email. Or,
0: yeah, like uh, a phishing email okay. or, I don't know, someone just goes to a sketchy website and decides, you know. <laughs> yeah.
3: um, so every once in a while, you'll come across some very, very well-crafted things. And you, you, know, those are specifically very, very dangerous. So what happens is you'll either click on something and it'll take you to something that looks like, for us, like an Augusta University page. And they're like, hey, log in just like you normally would. But that's not our page right? So if they give up their credentials, we have a mess on our hands. We're talking about resetting passwords, checking the logs for their username to see what they've accessed since that credentials was put in. Sometimes links will be clicked and then somebody goes, oh, I wasn't supposed to click that. And then they'll back out of it, right? So they'll, they'll catch themselves. And that's, that's good. You know, when it comes to those phishing emails and stuff, what we advise people though is anytime you're even the least bit suspicious, just go ahead and hit that report function, report it as phishing, and it will send it directly to us. We will then review it for you And if it's completely fine, we'll just send it back. Hey, this is legitimate. Just go ahead and do whatever you need to with it. But when those things are malicious in intent, if they are, you know, I mean, anything greater than you would consider spam, we then review those using, again, various tools at our disposal. And if we deem it to be of malicious intent, we actually go ahead and we'll purge it from the mailbox. So like everybody in AU's network will automatically just have it removed from their boxes. Oh, cool. So we can do that remotely to thousands of users at the same time, we will then be able to take those links that they're asking you to click and we can actually block access to those links. And that's what we often do is just, you know, hey, we're going to this site, not anymore, right? They'll they'll not be able to click on it any further. And any subsequent phishing attempts for that, that use the same link, we'll go ahead and block it from there as well.
0: That makes sense. Mm. I often think of, I don't know if y'all watch Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. but because we are, you know, have a health system, there was one episode where there were hackers that, you know, got into their database and was able to yeah. keep all of their inf- like them from accessing their own information. Yes. So y'all also provide protection to our health
3: system as well. Correct. Yes. That's really cool. Yes, that episode I actually have seen as well. <laughs> um, what they had was a thing called ransomware where a malware is introduced to the network and it actually will propagate to further systems along the way oh, wow. and to go ahead and lock them down. So it's just that one intrusion point that creates a whole mess of the entire network, locks out all the patient information, locks out the access to certain things. And we're in a technology society today where, you know, specifically think about the hospital. I mean, your MRI machine, that's run off of computer. Your access to patient information, that's run off of a database. You know, if these things get into a situation where there is ransomware, we have a mess on our hands that we do not want. And that's why we have a security operations center to prevent those things from happening. And that's just so cool that y'all are
0: the people behind the scenes making all that happen. But switching gears a little bit, Mm. the center has also been
2: rebranded. So could y'all tell us a little bit about that? So they recently rebranded to Siege Cyber Ops. Notice the castle and the the chess themed icons and branding. Their their eventual goal is to move the facility to a 24-7 operations and then branch out and not only provide that service to Augusta University and AU Health, but also maybe smaller businesses in the area. Because these tools that we use to monitor and protect our networks here or anywhere are very expensive for businesses Mm -hmm. to to maintain because you have to not only do you, you purchasing the hardware, or maybe you're using it on a, a virtualized cloud instance, it's all very expensive. And so a lot of businesses can't really afford that top tier protection, which Siege Cyber Ops would like to do is eventually move out and provide that to maybe smaller businesses and other entities within the Georgia university system.
0: What does uh, Siege stand for, for? Those who are unfamiliar.
2: I'm just going to be honest, I have no idea. Our site just went live for okay. Siege Cyber Ops.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to pull it up and we're going to find out for those who All right. are thinking
3: about it. Security Intelligence?
0: Security Intelligence and Engineering for Georgia Education.
3: Found it. <laughs> I'm going to be 100% honest. I did not even know it was an acronym. I didn't either. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> We've talked about Siege Cyber Ops in the, in the SOC like, uh, for like a, a ton, and I, I don't think I've ever known that no. it was an acronym.
2: Dr. Wyskowski might be a little disappointed in that.
3: So yeah, I guess that
2: covers the, they eventually want to branch out and help other entities within the Georgia University system, so.
0: And that's really cool. And like you mentioned, I really, lo- I really love the branding for it, the icons that were made. I feel like it complements, of course, the Cyber Center and Augusta University, but it also has its own little flair. But switching gears a little bit, tell us about your roles as student assistants and what the work for y'all looks like for Operations Center.
2: So I'm I'm on the operations side. Uh, I've been here since May. I'm a senior here at Augusta University in the cybersecurity program. So our day to day on uh, the operations side typically involves using the tools Kevin mentioned, Splunk, that is a uh, one of the big ones we use. And it, we go through the alerts created via those correlation searches, and we determine whether or not they are you know false positive or if it's routine activity, whether or not it's malicious. If it is, you know as student assistants, we have limited ability to like fully resolve if it's a major incident. If there are incidents like that we escalate those to our, you know, our SOC manager and such. But on the operations side, we're mostly reactive. So we're looking at those alerts coming in. If we see something suspicious, we investigate. And if it is, we usually escalate to higher depending on the severity
3: okay um so i am actually on the solutions side of it uh, i was in the operations team for about a year or so and then i was transferred to the solutions team because i wanted to see about the you know the the defensive side the proactive type deal and so what we deal with over there is basically new threats that come out and we have to make sure that we have defenses and uh, controls around them if you're not in cybersecurity, you probably won't know this one but there was a big one that came out not too long ago called the log 4j so there's a bunch of databases that use a service called patchy and this is a part of that. And most people really did not know that they Log4j was actually like part of their infrastructure until it all came out as this uh, what's called a zero-day vo- vulnerability, where it just pops up one day and it just turns everything upside down. Oh, you no, know, wow. this this was uh, something that gave people the ability to execute commands inside of other people's environments with very very little knowledge of how to do it, and you could just get it done. So that was that was something that was pretty big for us. We had meetings for quite a, quite a few number of days making sure that we are all good to go. And we definitely are. We fortunately had no instances from that. So really, you know, those new things that come out, you get to, as a student, be involved in the all of the discussions. You get to understand what people are talking about, the processes that they go through, you know, in an, in an environment as large as ours. It's not just about, hey, we have this problem. Let's implement this fix. Well, how are we implementing the fix? What does that look like? Does it impact anything else around us? You know, understanding that just because there is a solution to the problem doesn't mean the solution will work for you. Mm. And that's one thing for engineering is learning how that impact can affect other things and move forward from there. Like, do we need an alternate solution? Do we have to engineer our own solution? Those are things we have to look at. And being a part of that, being able to understand how it will work in the real world is something that you're not going to get in a classroom. And that's one of the biggest advantages to working like we do.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, how has being a student citizen working for the Security Operations Center, like, how has that helped you learn more about your career? Do you feel better prepared after you leave here and you graduate? I feel immensely more prepared.
3: Okay. I don't know about... Thanks you, for I, listening to In the Wild. I would definitely agree. Yes, because your classes here at AU are excellent to give you an excellent foundation to work from, but nothing compares to actual hands-on experience, correct, with what you want to do. We have enterprise-level software here. Getting that experience while still a student gives you a tremendous leap
2: forward in starting your career. Very,
3: very... Like the tools that we have at our disposal, I I'm sure it's possible to replicate it in a classroom, but it would be immensely expensive. You immensely. Thing that's happening you know, when you go over things like cybersecurity, also one thing you have to know is cybersecurity always takes away you. from the budget. Very Until rarely then, does cybersecurity generate money, right? Stay so well. when you talk about these tools and these solutions, those are things that are always take some money out of the profits that a university could obtain. And, and you know, when we have the ability to work with those tools, we are getting something that you just in, in the classroom. Like I, I, I go to school with students that are, you know, they don't have any kind of internship or any job right now. And they're learning, they're learning some, very great material from a very high level institution but it's it's just not the same like Dom said. it's not even something like that they can try and replicate without those tools I don't think no uh, without access to we have what 30 40,000 devices in AU network currently hmm. so generating traffic from 30 to 40,000 devices that's not something that I see a classroom replicating and, and you know when you have that learning experience for an environment that large that that
2: really takes the cake. You're working in those lab environments, you know, all the parameters are set. You know, it's kind of like follow the follow the dotted line mm-hmm. um, here. Getting this opportunity as a, a student intern, we're dealing with live data. We're dealing with, you know, live devices on the network. So it, you, you can't beat that experience. I don't think you'll match that in a classroom.
3: I, if it was possible, it'd be way too much money. Way too much money. I mean, it's it's, you know, when you're in that real world, it's like the Wild West of data. It is. Yeah.
0: So what would you tell students who are, say, interested in following a career here in cyber computer science, but not sure about getting involved and not sure about what the career has in store for them?
3: So the first thing that I would recommend is that you come to Augusta University. As far as it goes, the fact of the matter is this is probably going to be the hub for cybersecurity education. You've got the NSA here. You've got Fort Gordon here. The, I believe there's a couple government agencies with three letters in this building that yeah, I'm, I'm not going to I'm yeah. not going to name off the top of my head. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so you've got the networking capabilities that you just won't replicate at other universities. On top of that, the student assistant position that we currently have, there are five, five of them currently. currently yeah. So if you are able to get in there, you you have the ability to work as basically a SOC level one analyst, which is a position that you normally probably could not get straight out of college. No. And that is something that they will allow you to do. And what we've seen is the student assistants that leave this position and they go on to those full-time jobs, they're already moving up further than the people that are just graduating alongside of them, you know, and When you're talking about like, you know, are they sure, maybe if they want to or not, um, I can tell you that if you really enjoy having mental stimulation, then this is definitely your field. If you enjoy having the ability to understand what's going on in the world around you, this is your field. What are you
2: thinking? There are a lot of different paths you can take. Cybersecurity is very broad. Very. And I really think this internship is good because it kind of gives you an idea of how, oper- how the operation side works and how solutions and engineering works. Um, and if you're kind of on the fence about what you want to do in the field, an internship like this will help you make that decision. Completely. 100%. Yeah.
0: Last question for each of you. What are your plans after you graduate? Mm. What would you like to do?
2: Go ahead, Degas. I am not sure yet. Okay, that's fair. I've, I've flip-flopped a few times. I thought I knew when I first started. Mm. Changed my mind about halfway through and I'm on the fence again. That so happens. There, and part of that, I wouldn't necessarily say that's bad. It's just there are so many opportunities within this field, especially right now, that there are many different paths you can take.
0: What are some of the paths you're considering right now?
2: So I do like the blue team side, which we're, you know, blue team. You have blue team, red team, you know, blue team are the defenders, you know, trying to protect the networks, trying to protect the data. Red team are the, the bad guys, the, the hackers trying to break in. And you can... You can go blue team route, you go red team route where you know you work for a, a company that offers penetration testing services. So they'll go to another company and they'll be like, hey, we'll we'll test your networks for you. as um, a paid service. I do like the the blue team side, I do like operations, the the reactive side, responding to events. It's it can be very fast-paced at times. Mm. And I, I do enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So for me, I've you know, I've been working as a cybersecurity engineer over there for a minute now. And I have to admit, the proactive side of it, doing the research, figuring out solutions, that's that's right up my eye. You know, give me a puzzle. I want to solve it. That's just how my brain works. I go, I want to come up with solutions to problems. That's where I find home at. So continuing on in the field somewhere there, one of the benefits of working in our field is the fact that you can do remote work. So I can get a job oh, yeah. in oh, UK and be sitting at home in Augusta, Georgia and be just fine. But I could also get a job at Fort Gordon. The NSA is here. There's so many opportunities. Which one am I looking at the most? The one with the highest paycheck. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but. But in, in all seriousness, it's it's about your future. It's about what you want to do. It's about the work life balance. And what I've noticed is from the full time employees that work with us, they have a very good home work life balance. Yeah, they really do. So that's that's something that's awesome. You know, if if you know your kid is sick and you don't get to go to work today, well, you can work from home. That's a possibility for us. And that that's an immense thing for the field for a family man like me. Yeah. So.
0: Thank you all so much for being here and talking to us, for everyone who's listening. I hope you're a little bit more excited about cybersecurity and everything that is in store because the possibilities are are growing. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to In the Wild. If you like what you heard, then give a nice rating and review to this podcast on whatever you use to listen to your podcast. To keep our conversations going, follow In the Wild on Instagram at In wildpod and Augusta University on all social media platforms. Don't forget to follow me, your host, Rayshawn Ricks, at Rayshawn Ricks, to send me questions you want to see answered on the show. Tune in for new episodes every week because we don't want you to miss a single thing that's happening on campus. You can also find out more news at jaguar.augusta.edu. Until then, I'll see y'all next time. Stay wild.